0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here, as always, I should say a massively uh, sniffy and stuffed up Cole Petum, But nonetheless, hopefully everyone can kind of get through my stuffiness and deal with that. I think three of the four of us uh, have stuffy noses. So hopefully that doesn't more so say how Villa have been other than just how we're feeling personally. But regardless of that, we do have a packed house here in Tom Nightingale, Simon O'Regan and Danny Raza as well. So Let's start with Mr. Simon O'Regan first. How's it going, my friend?
1: Uh, I've had better Sunday afternoons, I must say. Um, yeah, I, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll get into it as this pod goes on, but I'll, will uh, let the other guy speak now because I just don't want to talk about the bit as, you know, I want to
0: say as little as possible right now. But sure. I'm alright in, in general. Apart from the football, life's pretty good. Oh, that, that's all that matters. As long as you can have some positivity in your life, because Villa will give a zero of that these days. Tom, how's it going for you? Yeah, same, really. No, I
2: mean, I said said to you guys before we jumped on, like you can't lose what you never had. We never had three points today, so we haven't lost them. That's the way I'm choosing to look at things, because that's where I've been left with this with this Villa team, really. Um, and luckily, I've got got other stuff to do this weekend, so I don't have to devote my entire weekend to. Um, you know, previewing a Villa game and then thinking about a Villa game afterwards because I've learned over the last few weeks that that's, uh, that's no way to a happy life, is
0: it really? Absolutely. We'll leave the previews for Seb to get positive about and then we'll ruin them by the time Villa kick off. But uh, we do have a fourth person here. It feels very odd having four people and seeing three different faces um, in this. It is Danny Raza. He has decided to um, step away from married life for about half an hour, 45 minutes and actually uh, grace us with his presence. So Danny, how's it going for you? Oh, don't say it like that, man. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm good.
3: I'm good. I, I actually, as well, I, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to add anything to this podcast um, over the last few weeks because every time I have watched Villa, I've made exactly the same comment. I do think things were slightly different today. I think that the match in itself uh, provided a different set of um, observations than previous games. However, it's becoming easier for me to sit back and talk about Villa because. Um, you know, striving for impartiality and everything. Just like Morgan Sanson, I think I'm totally numb. So, yeah, it's great. I'm, I've never been so detached to the results. I'm watching the games. I'm watching the games like clockwork because I know I should be watching the games. And I care about Villa. However, like on a reel, I find it very hard to care until exa- I see something different.
2: It's exactly the same from mine. I don't know what it's like. Like, it'd be interesting. I don't know what it's like for fans going to the games, like have their match day rituals and all that sort of stuff at the ground. But like from afar, watching it on TV, it's exactly the same. Like I tune in every time, like Cole and I in Canada doesn't matter if it's like seven AM or noon or whatever time it is for us. I tune in, but I just I don't know. It's more like watching a show these days that you have kind of you know when like you've been watching a sitcom or something and you get to see get to season six and like, it's not really very good anymore, but you know the characters. And you feel obliged to keep tuning in in case something big happens plot-wise. It's basically where I'm at now.
3: Legit, yeah. It's just a crescendo happening. There's a crescendo. We expected the owners to be at Villa Park today um, and, and, and that this would be the last chance for Gerard and everything. I mean, that's, that's not backed up by any sort of journalistic evidence. It's just, that's what, that's what we heard. Um, they weren't there. The season finale hasn't arrived yet. It's still going to drag on. There is Fulham next week. But I think I'm sat, sitting here after the Chelsea game, knowing what the ending's going to be. And that's where I'm at. There is a little bit of a predictive, a predictable ending um, coming to this show that you mentioned, Tom.
0: Well, that's the thing too. You do say we have Fulham next week. And most people, if it was somewhat normal times, know, um, I guess... Ex- offense to Fulham I should really say we'd probably be a little bit more positive but to be fair I'm absolutely terrified about Fulham um and that's just saying probably more so about Villa than Fulham these days but regardless of that my my best way to summarize this game is probably for the first in the last two months since I've got a puppy I I was actually able to watch a game with it freaking out and it stayed in the room and it was good days I had more fun just brushing his coat and sitting there and giving him treats than I did watching 90 minutes of that. And half the time he was biting my hand. So that probably summarizes how this game went. If we kind of break it down a little bit more, of course, in terms of who scored, well, none for Villa. To be honest, I don't know how, because there was probably a good 20-second little mirage of hitting two posts and missing the net, uh, which felt like a million times. But of course, Mason Mount at the double, six-minute due to a Tyrone Mings-headed clearance error, whatever, that was you'll you'll probably see if you clicked on this to listen through twitter or social media um, kind of the photo of him just standing there after his error with Mason Mount, just basically tucking it in. Um, that'll probably be the thumbnail because it basically summarizes the game. And of course he scored again in the 65th minute as well, which you could probably say I Martinez could have done probably much better on that free kick, but regardless of that, it is what it is. It is. Oh, so typical Villa. And if we want to break down the stats, because we know Steven Gerrard loves stats. He loves possession. Well, we only had 41%, 18 shots, seven on target, seven corners, uh, with Dougie Louise not really on the mark in terms of corners. Had a little bit of hope he might actually hit the target for once to cause a little bit more of a of a disturbance, but it didn't happen, and 12 fouls, of course. So, I mean, really, with all that, uh, Tom, I'll come to you first. Let's look at the lineup. I mean, I think that's been kind of a constant theme. There's been no consistency apart from the midfield, which has been the most inconsistent thing and we've already beat that to death. So I don't really think we need to talk about the midfield, but Bailey up talk with Ings and Watkins out wide. What did you make of that in particular? And how did you find they played together? I was, when that came out, I was down with that, to be honest. Like I,
2: cause I don't, didn't really see much point in persisting with Coutinho, Watkins, the sort of what, you know, Watkins not able to hit a barn door in front of goal, bless him in recent weeks. Um, I think Coutinho, like, we've been so slow, haven't we? It's been one of the chief criticisms of our players. We've been so slow, ponderous on the ball, not able to break people down. So um, when I saw it, I was down with Watkins playing wide left, Bailey wide right. Like, I mean, you guys know me. I think like jury's still out for me massively on Leon Bailey, but he does at least bring pace and the potential for some explosivity and he to be fair to him he was quite unlucky today like header at the back post if he's an inch or two taller he'd have scored hit the bar didn't he, or something as well I can't really remember now um and then Ings I do like some of the stuff that Ings brings to the game um dropping deep and you know getting, getting others into the game um I certainly thought it, in terms of Direct attacking and in terms of pace, I thought it was a real real improvement over what we've seen in recent weeks. I thought it was a clear improvement, really. Um, The problem for me is that the front line might be better. You might have more pace. You might have more direct um, incision in your attack. But they're in front of that midfield three that we just know does not work together. Like How many times do we have to play that midfield three? I know now it's partly enforced because obviously we'd have Bubakar Kamara in there if he was fit. Um, but Luiz a six doesn't really work we know this McGinn having to sort of I mean one thing that was interesting is that Gerrard started and I, I, I thought before the game it was going to be McGinn right central midfield and, and Ramsey left central midfield and we were going to see McGinn basically get sucked into that sort of auxiliary right back position because Bailey wouldn't track back very much and Cash would be out of position and we saw a lot of that last year where McGinn was having to be dragged out to the right side of defence almost a lot he started them the other way around, and I thought at first that paid dividends, played really well for what five minutes and twenty seconds or whatever it was before Mings had his latest little episode. Um, lineup wise, it's a thing like this. You know, I'm I'm quite down on Gerard, as I think a lot of us are, based on the evidence that's been in front of our eyes for the last year. I don't really think you can say that Gerrard is at direct fault for how today went. Like maybe some questionable subs in the second half, but um but lineup wise i didn't think you got it wrong and i thought that 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 showed in the first half really because we were once we conceded we were the better
0: team 100% simon i mean when you think about it too i didn't really have an issue with the lineup do you think today was more so a just two individual errors more so than anything or what do you think it was really down to um
1: uh, i mean you could you sort of break it down to the bare facts, it was two individual areas that have led to those two goals. But um, I mean the lineup personally. And this and this is just repeating ourselves for the last eighteen months or so. Louise isn't really against top opposition. You don't want him as a six. Now, obviously, Kamara is injured, but you've you brought Den Donker in, who like nor is more natural in that role. And so, for me, I, I would, if you're going to have them, that midfield three, I would want it of Deng, Donker, Ramsey, and Louise. But you begin, he's not, he's not going to drop him because he's named the captain. So that's for me. Like I, would have rather gone for that uh, midfield three. But he, the game itself, I thought we started reasonably positively, actually, and then obviously Diarra puts this one nil down. But we did react. So we, we reacted well. I actually think for those sort of 15, 20 minutes after we were one nil down, I don't think we were that good. So I, th- I think from sort of half an hour onwards, where I think, and that's when Bailey might have hit the bar around the half hour mark. And then from that point onwards to the end of the half, to be fair, we did create quite a few chances and, and it like quite, quite threatening. And so Keppa made two really good saves. The one from Ramsey, that gold mouth incident, I, I was convinced after that happens, that I'd like blacked out for a second and I'd missed a goal, like because I, I couldn't quite work out how it hadn't gone in. But um, for me, I, I think I think we're maybe been slightly fooled about that performance because we're basing it on the last like three games against Southampton, Forest, and Leeds when we were so dreadful that the fact we've had like four or five actual proper chances created in a small period sort of makes it look a lot better because we haven't been used to that. But I, I actually think it was really only a sort of 15, 20 minute periods um, before half time that, that we actually played quite well and looked threatening. You did the second half. I don't think we actually did, did much at all. And the, the real frustration is I don't think Chelsea were great today. They didn't have to be. And you kind of think it's all well and good, putting in, um, you know, a bit of endeavour and, uh, you know, looking like you might be scoring for twenty minutes in a game against Chelsea or raising your game against Man City. But it's easy to raise your game against a better opposition. Where was that against Forest on Monday night? Where was that against ten men leads last week? So I don't know. I, I, I think it was it was an improvement, but there was a very low bar that you're starting from. So. Overall, the 90 minutes, I still don't actually think it was that great, bar that 20-minute period.
2: You know, the other frustrating thing as well is what happened, second half, we posed almost no threat. Why? Because Graham Potter made two really proactive substitutions at halftime, reshuffled the defence, changed the shape, identified they'd had a poor defensive half, made the proactive changes, completely shut us out, won them the game. It's what good managers do.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look at our changes. I mean... I could not believe what I was seeing when I saw Dendongku coming on for Ramsey to hold on to that two 0 defeat in the last ten minutes like it, it, as you say, you look at what Potter did straight right at half time he, he saw how that sort of last fifteen, twenty minutes had gone and sat um Cucurello especially was getting you know he, he was having a bit of a bad time, and he made those changes and and from that point on. You know, we we never really looked like doing anything and the changes we made, it sort of smacks of the desperation you saw towards the end of, like, Paul Lambert or Steve Bruce's reign. and it's like, do you know what? Let's just chuck a load of attacking players on and hope something happens. It was, it was the same against Forest the other night when, you know, just chuck all three strikers on hopefully something will fall for them. It's, uh, yeah, it's just not good enough.
0: Danny, do you think it's kind of a mentality issue at this point too in some kind of instances i'm pretty sure it was you in the group chat that even mentioned that we raise our game up today and simon just mentioned it as well but you had put something along the lines of we'll raise our game for this one and then we'll forget about it by the time we play fulham do you think that's oh, basically the case
3: yeah i'm 99 percent sure that we'll show up to fulham and um it'll, it'll just be like done. I i'm i'm like we 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 put up a lot of threats today there was like pressure on gerard and everything and there was like you know, there was there was those shots going in. We are pushing, we are pressing. We weren't too afraid of you know being counterattacked. And for large parts of the game, I mean, generally, I think we did shut Chelsea out. I think defensively, we were, we were actually pretty good. Um, it's just those errors um, which which happened, but whatever. Um, but against Fulham, they'll be up for it. Mitrovic will be uh, will be on form. They'll most likely kind of give us a lot of give us a lot of work. I think they'll be up for it whereas I think we're going to return to kind of playing that kind of static, wooden way, which is my issue. And I think it's it's a Gerrard thing. I'm convinced pretty much at this point that it is a Steven Gerrard thing. It's the way that he wants us to play. This maybe was a little bit of a desperate ploy to try and get a win over Chelsea. We tried to do that against Manchester City as well. But I I sat here and I watched the Leeds game and the Nottingham Forest game. And both those sides should have been there for Villa to finish off but there was nothing it was kind of like you know take 10 seconds to take a throw in you know walk around the pitch kind of pass the ball backwards and they seemed like very free to do that kind of thing like play in that kind of slow way whereas today it seemed as though because they were at Villa Park and the fans were booing so heavily every time that ball went backwards there was a sense of okay, we can't do that. We probably need to be a little bit braver here. But to me, it just kind of shows that they're just very, very comfortable playing in that way and just kind of hoping that the result turns up. Whereas, I've said this before, it's the Premier League. And like, the margins are fine. Yes, Nottingham Forest may not be as good a team as, um, you know, as a Newcastle or a Brighton or whatever. Same thing with the side like, um, like Bournemouth right like they are they are decent teams but you know they're not they're not of that level but if they come out and work hard and the other team doesn't they'll probably get the result and that's the thing I see with Villa is that they they kind of come in with this mentality that we're a mid-table club we're good enough we've got top players you know I'm Philippe Coutinho you know blah 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 but at the end of the day we don't see that same application and I'm and I'm I'm becoming fairly more and more certain of it now. And I don't want to throw players under the bus. I'm not saying it's the players' fault. I think it's just a, it's a mentality thing at the club. I don't know if there's that desire as a team to want to pick up those results every single game. There's there's very much a, a hard luck thing where like Gerard's throwing blame on on on, on individuals and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, I'm 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 fairly certain that in the following game we won't see this kind of level of attack because it's not Chelsea um, and it will probably and it's away from home, right? I believe yeah. so, yes. I, yeah, I I I just think we're gonna return to that. We might nick it one nil and and everything, but it's it's the consistency for me. I can't sit here and say well done to, to Villa for, for putting it to Chelsea today because I haven't seen them do that all season. And I'm I'm not convinced that they're going to just because of that one performance.
0: Well, all I can say is if you don't have Alexander Mitrovic in your fantasy league team, get him in for Thursday, because I just feel like that's the most inevitable thing that'll probably happen. But regardless of that, Tom, I'll throw this one back to you. I mean, we've talked about mentality. The one thing that I've kind of seen as a theme, and maybe we can all kind of relate to more of a, a recent thing over the last few seasons, is how easily Villa have kind of dipped in terms of. Maybe even the fans kind of feel that way too in regards to just the dip in form and acting like the players don't care. We don't really feel that sense of connection. Do you think we're starting to get slowly but surely back to that way? I mean, I don't think we're getting to the depths of the relegation season, but does it feel like everything's just so disjointed? There's not really that true, um, I guess, one-on-one connection between fan base and players and coach anymore? It's exactly what you know. What Danny was saying earlier, like, and I feel
2: like we're, well, certainly I do. I Don't speak for all fans, but I feel like I'm more of an onlooker, almost. Like I'll always be a Villa fan. Villa always be, you know, be, be in my blood, and I, they're they they're, they're the appointment of my week, right, every week, like they are for for most Villa fans. But I I sort of feel like we're. It's almost like we're. I don't know. How can I put this? It's another sequel in a film franchise that we've. That tells the same story every time, right? Like the Dean Smith era was the outlier. Should should we be real about this for a second? Like the three years under Dean Smith, that was the outlier of the past decade. Been crap for a decade. It's the truth, easily a decade. Um, and what's characterized that decade a lot has been lack of connect, feel like lack of connection between players and fans, or this brittle, seemingly brittle mindset of Villa. And also, just this constant feeling—it's, I guess, it's like déjà vu, but it's this constant feeling of you feel like you've seen it all before, and you know what's going to happen. Like to Danny's point about Fulham, and I—I I, I think I tweeted before the Chelsea game. Like we all know what's going to happen. We'll put up a fight against uh, against Chelsea. We'll have a relatively narrow loss. In some ways, we'll look improved, and then all of those lessons will go out the window, and we'll lose like dismally at Fulham on Thursday. I'd say part one of that. Part one of that journey is complete. I look forward to part two on Thursday. Like, I just, I wish I had more faith in Villa no, going to Craven Cottage and winning, but I just, I just don't. Like, I just don't. The only thing I'll
3: say with Tom, like, is like just to kind of agree with you as well. But the only, the only thing I will say to Cole's point is that now, in comparison to Dean Smith, I'm sorry, not about Dean Smith, in comparison to what we've seen before, is that we're actually a pretty well, well-run club, or uh, in in every other aspect i think other than football at the moment i will say that like that is true yeah we've got we're we're struggling we're struggling tactically we're struggling in 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 that sense but as a club we are well run now so i don't have that same kind of sense of impending doom that's why it's nothingness
2: (laughs) yeah that's that's i mean that is a very good point before it was um it was panic and it was yeah like impending disaster wasn't it (laughs) for years really um I agree with that completely. Like we are a very well-run club and I think we're going to have to, unfortunately, I think that fact about us being a well-run club is going to be tested um, imminently with some, with some big boardroom decisions. Um, and, but like one more, like to the point about it being like, you almost feel like, you know what to expect with Villa and not necessarily in a good way. Like today was Villa bingo, like completely good, A good you know, good periods of the game against a big team, loads of missed chances, individual errors costing us, opposing goalkeeper having the game of their life, player for the opposition who hadn't scored in the legal season, scoring both of their goals, like literally ticking everything off on the Villa bingo card today. So it's refreshing to know that uh, no matter who's in charge and no matter what's going on, um, Villa will always be that constant in our lives. Shall I put it that way? Is that a more positive way to put it?
0: Well, let's let Simon have his say, because Simon has probably seen the most probably disturbances as a Villa fan over the years that... with this wide, wide range you... of supporting. But, uh... oh, Danny, were no, you going to say you... something?
3: No, saying, well, every time I come back to this podcast, you're just like making fun of Simon for being old. We do it every time. He's not that old, is he?
1: I mean, I- I'm going to speak to the HR department at some point. Well, Seb <laughs> runs that, so good luck. <laughs> uh, go. What, what was the question?
0: <laughs> Essentially... <laughs> how bad is it now when you compare it to the past? Like, I I mean, when we do look at it, I guess we do have to be grateful for some instances. Like, yes, it is crap. It could be a lot worse. We are run way better off the pitch. So there's that to be thankful for. But at the end of the day, with the amount of investment things that have been put into it, it it should be better. There's no excuses there.
1: Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, absolutely. should be better. I mean, I think you you, uh, when you were... Posing the question to Tom, you were talking about like potential like lack of uh, like sort of the players not caring or stuff like that. But like we were chatting with the um, mates after the game, I I don't think it's a lack of effort from the players. I think it's they're just so like low on confidence and just so drained from the the sort of managerial setup. Like, I just think everyone knows that it's just not right. So I, I person my personal opinion, I don't know, I, you know, I can't speak for everyone. I don't think that they're not trying. I just think they, they just don't really know what they're meant to be doing. And, and then you know, when you go a goal behind, and you know, there's no tactical plan coming from the sideline. I think it, it just, it sort of weighs heavy on you in the end, and, and you kind of. I don't think you consciously put less effort in, but I think it's just like a natural downturn that happens. In terms of like the general sort of feeling at the moment, like Tom's hit the nail on the head. You you think from sort of 2010 when uh, Martin O'Neill left and you'd had three six-play finishes in a row, other than those sort of few years under Dean Smith, it's it's been absolutely shy. So like let's let's not. No, probably punches it. He's, he's been awful to watch Villa. But Dally's right. He's really a good point. The club, for up until these new owners come in, we, know, we we had Randy Lerner, who just didn't have the money to actually do anything. And then, you know, he was trying to sell the club for years. So that was never going to go well. And then obviously Dr. Tony and, and all the madness that, that came with that. So we, we are at least off the pitch yeah, there's not that sort of impending sense of doom that, 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 that you felt in, you know, previous years. But the, the big frustration with what's going on at the moment is, you know, when, when I was sort of saying earlier that it's sort of reminiscent of the Lambert, you know, sort of poor Lambert era where you're just sort of chucking people on and hoping for the best. At least in Lambert's defence, he was working with, like, Antonio Luna, you know, Bakuna, Alec Mardi, Jordan Barry. Gerrard's working with a team, you know, a squad full of international footballers. So, you know, your point of there's no excuses that it should be better. It should be. And, like, I've seen sort of some uh, things from journalists on Twitter over the last few days. You obviously don't watch for the week in, week out, trying to, you know, say things like, oh, you know, they've been unbeaten in their last four and he's had injuries to some key players. Which yeah, we've we've had you know obviously we've we've got a uh, you know, number of people out injured, but all of the injuries are in the defensive unit and defensively hasn't actually been overall this season that bad. So we've not been not been brilliant by all you know ball all accounts, but I think before the Forest game on Monday on Sky they were uh, like Jamie Carragher was putting up all these stats and that, and I think defensively. Like all the stats show that we we're like third or fourth best in the league for all the like different defensive stats yeah. So you know, we've had injuries to people at the back, but that's not the issue. The the attacking is is the problem and they've all been fit and they're all good players. They should be doing better, but it's just it, it, like it's, it's there's no you just feel that there's no plan there. And like going to the stadium today, you know, we're on the pub beforehand, and we're all sitting around and we're looking at each other like. And it felt like it was a chore. Like it didn't feel like it was enjoyable going to the game. It's like it's you know we've we paid for the season ticket. We've got to go. Let's get this out of the way. I mean, you know we can watch the Man City Liverpool. We can watch a proper game of football afterwards. And it's just it, it feels like since the new owners came in, and obviously when Dean Smith came in, there was that that connection there throughout the whole club. And, and it feels it just feels like the last twelve months that that's. That's sort of getting ripped apart a little bit, and it's not like obviously I'm not a fan of Gerard's, and and I I think he needs to go. But I'm I'm not saying it's 100% all his fault that everything has gone wrong. But he is the figurehead that that has to take the blame ultimately, and at the end of the day, and yeah, it's just just it's it's not fun going to to watch Villa anymore. You, You you don't enjoy going to do it, and. It's a real shame, and funnily enough, as well, we were talking afterwards, and I like was we saying, as fans being able to go to the stadium, the last time we had fun watching Villa in the Premier League was probably under Tim Sherwood <laughs> for those like first six months, because the the season we finished eleventh under Dean Smith, we weren't allowed in the ground. <laughs> so it's not been fun going to watch Villa in the Premier League for a long time.
0: Ready to pop the question. Well, Tom, me and you had this discussion when Jared were first appointed and we were trying to get our initial reactions kind of in check. And I felt like initially at that point in time, we both kind of felt like it wasn't going to work. There's a lot of hesitancy, I should say. And of course, we had that little uh, kind of initial lift off and positivity. And then really from there, the only thing we've been consistent at is being inconsistent. I feel like I say that every week. I didn't really want to have this discussion now, but I mean, at this point, hopefully it doesn't and nothing gets kind of announced or nothing happens until after this podcast gets put out because I'd be massively annoyed. Um, that's happened too many times over the last few years, especially during COVID. But I mean, we might as well discuss it now. Stephen Gerard, Gerrard, how much time does he really have left? I, I've been avoiding having this talking point, but like it just it feels like it's either going to drag on until the uh, world cup break, or it's going to happen sooner rather than later for me. Yeah. It's interesting. The talk of Sherwood, because if Sherwood was tactics, Tim, I think we need to start calling Gerard like
2: strategy, Steve, or something. Cause there are, uh, it's a bit kind of similar vibes in it with, (laughs) with the substitutions and the game plan, like Gerard, I don't, the thing I don't understand is I saw a really good point made on Twitter earlier today. Uh, Before the game, I think after the lineup came out, which hadn't really occurred to me, but like he, Gerrard pretty much only ever changes the front three, right, in his in his starting lineup rotation. Like, obviously injuries and stuff in midfield and defense have forced his hand a little bit, but it's only really in the front three that he chops and changes a lot, and then he comes out at the end of every game and says we need moments of magic. Like, does he think that attacking play is just? Phil Coutinho like conjuring up something from 30 yards out, or like Ollie Watkins bending in his one edge of the box goal per season that he scores. Like attacking players should be formed on the training ground, shouldn't it? Like you should have set plays, ideas for different opponents, like different strategies. Sometimes it's better to try and drive through the middle, other times it's better to cut in from the wings. Like even this is a really simplified look at it, but I'm not even seeing that simple an approach like do you know what i mean there's no i just it's a real cliche but it's that i don't know what they work on in the training ground going forward i don't today we were better um i mean if we do go to fulham and we lose uh it's gonna get nasty in it in the away end it's gonna be really nasty social media it's gonna be nastier oh. than it already is it,
0: mm, it's gonna be
2: tough like
1: on, I was just going to say the uh, in like in the ground today in the whole end from sort of the last sort of 1015 minutes it wasn't it wasn't the whole stand but there was quite audible chance of we won on Gerard out and then you know when the, when the fans start turning it's, it's diff- especially villa fans like it is difficult to come back from that like you say I think if we go if we lose at Fulham on Thursday which like I'm I, I, th- I think will happen I'll be really I don't I don't see us going and, and getting a result there Then we've got Brentford at home next Sunday and that I, I mean assuming he he lasts till then and I'm I'm not 100 sure of that if that is going to be the case if we lost at Fulham and then didn't beat Brentford I think the atmosphere will, will it will turn so bad that there will be no choice but to get rid. Mm-hmm. And
2: it's interesting because today there was a photo doing the round and doing the rounds on social media. And obviously, like from a from a snapshot photo, you can't, you don't want to read too much into it or draw too many conclusions. But like there's a photo of Perslow and he looks about 10 years older. Don't know if you've seen it, but he looks about 10 years older than he did a couple of months ago. Um, and he just he looks utterly um miserable. It's not quite it. I don't know. Like one thing that I saw somebody say is that he he looks like a guy who knows that if things carry on quickly he's going to have to tell his mate that he's out of a job and I do, you don't want to draw too many conclusions from one snapshot but it's there's no way that thought process is not going through their mind and like perslo what must be going through his mind now is like like because like you said Danny like off off field off the pitch Club is run so much better these days. Like I'm, I'm, I, I like the general idea of the expansion of Villa Park and like trying to drive us on as a club and get us competing with the big boys off field because that is a big part of it. But like for me, like you know, a year ago, whatever under Smith, we were singing the praises of things like the academy and we were talking about uh, like the faith of the owners. We're talking about how like goodwill everywhere. And for me, just the appointment of Gerard and the way that things have gone over the last year, I'm not saying that I don't, I don't approve of the owners or even that I don't approve of Perslow because it's not as black and white as that. And like Eden's and Suiris, I very much approve of as owners, um, but it has eroded a lot of quite a lot of that goodwill just through sheer, like we've talked about, lack of interest or lack of enjoyment, lack of excitement, and like how much more if you're Perslow. The, the person who persuaded the owners that Gerard was the man, the person who's been responsible for most of the decisions that have been made since he appointed Gerard. How much longer can you sit and watch all of that goodwill being eroded before you stop sitting on your hands and you make a big call? Like that's the big question now, isn't it? And like you say, like I can't even imagine really how um, toxic Villa Park could be next weekend if results don't go our way and then, you know if the result of Craven Cottage doesn't go our way and then the game against Brentford doesn't go our way and you know you're spot on I think Simon like it gets to a point where you can't ignore it or you can't sweep it under the rug um and I don't think we're very far away at all from that point to be honest
0: well the other thing too is is, and Danny sorry I'll let you jump in here in a second um but we have Newcastle after Brentford and then we play United twice like at what point does Perslow not want to die on this hill like I'll pass it to you now, Danny. This isn't the hill you want to die on. You can be as stubborn as you want when it comes to Stephen Gerrard and believe that he can pull this out. But let's—I hate being this pessimistic—but let's be honest. If this regime was going to turn it around with Stephen Gerrard at the helm, it would have been done by now.
3: Let me just um, let me just try and offer another. Slightly weird, slightly different way of thinking here. Football fans, are uh, they have short memories, right? One win at Villa Park and the atmosphere will change. Secondly, there are lines and lines of people waiting for season tickets. Like, there is not a question that if somebody said, forget it, if loads of people said, forget it, I don't want to renew my season ticket at Villa Park because of the poor performances, you know, that's that. And Villa are bad, but probably not bad enough to get relegated. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but I don't think Villa are bad enough to get relegated because I know this because we're, we're playing awfully, yet still haven't been losing many games recently, uh, really. Um, so to me, I just pose that question. Why would the club stack him? Why, why would Wes Edens and Nassif Suiris turn around and say... Yep, let's get rid if the club is turning a profit i'm just wanna i just want to ask because like the way the way I sit here like you know if they were desperate you know it, Gerard would have been gone
1: a while ago really no i my response to that would be that I think they uh, uh, you know you say he would have been gone a while ago but you kind of at, at the end of last season you you sort of write that first season off as, OK, you, you know, he's sort of feeding the squad out. But obviously, the way this is starting, the way it's going, that that's, you know, you, you do have to give a manager probably 12 months at least to see what's going on. So that's probably why not a while ago. And just on the the other point is that I, I don't get the impression from, from sort of what you've heard and, you know, things that have come out that these are owners... Um, that are here just like, like to be like a Mike Ashley. That as long as we stay in the league and turn a profit, we're fine. Like they've been very vocal about their ambitions, and even you know Gerard at the start of the season, you know, the, he was saying you know he said this, you know the expectations and what they want is to be challenging, you know at, at least for the top eight. So that's that's why I think it will get to the stage in the next couple of weeks, probably if not beforehand. Why they'll pull the trigger? Because they, they, they. I don't get the, the impression that they've come here to not try and be challenging for Europe, and that's just not going to happen under Gerard.
3: It's um, it's a shame, you know, because when Gerard came in, you, you know, there was, there was all this talk, and you know, he was talking, he was talking the team down almost, you know, as in, you know, like, you know, this isn't this team isn't necessarily ready for for those things yeah all that kind of thing when Coutinho came in it was kind of a case of you know the boys are going to learn from him and that kind of thing and yet I'm sat here and I'm just thinking mate what what have you improved at this club what what is better you know since you have since you've come here at first I thought you know we were we were at least putting in performances um but like I don't know what's happened what's eroded why why that strategy that he kind of had in place has almost gone to gone to crap. Now I think the thing is we we were getting by on quality. He was getting by on quality um, in terms of Kamara and Diego Carlos at the start of the season. When we don't have that, you need to have a manager who's able to turn around results, regardless of the situation. Are the board going to be in their boardroom making those excuses that you know those players are? Are injured blah 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 like the reason that you have a squad is so that you can get results regardless and yeah I, I think he's failing in all in all departments really we're not we haven't got youth either even on the pitch I mean other than Jacob Ramsey so that's the other thing yeah so I mean look I think 12 months on if I mean if you were to con- conduct a performance review it's maybe not even satisfactory
0: so yeah if, if It was satisfactory, Danny. I, th- I I I think uh, that person that's giving the evaluation might be sacked before even Stephen Gerrard. Um, <laughs> just the way it's going. But uh, you know what, guys? I think we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. I think that's more than good enough, unless Danny has one more thing to say because he has his finger up.
3: Yeah, I, I just want to. I got to. Can I just mention the Villa women?
0: Yeah, go ahead. I think
3: they had they had two really good results, obviously, but lost the game to West Ham. But if you get a chance, watch the footage. Um, of what happened during that game it was wild um, one of the West Ham players Sissoko appeared to actually slap um, Sarah Marlin Mayling even I mean slap, slap he's
1: been uh, he's been very generous it, it was it was the perfect warmer for the uh, Clarissa Shields Savannah Marshall fight I thought it was, <laughs> it was a good little undercard that was
0: I'll have to I'll have to go and uh, see what was the highlights because they haven't it was
3: wild. I mean, but but yeah, I think on a just on, a, on another note though, just yeah, I think if you if you if you are getting frustrated watching the Villa men, watch some of the Villa women because there's some there's some really top players out on the pitch now. You know, Rachel Davies playing, and so is Dali is my new favourite Villa midfielder.
1: I, I, I was just about to say Zadali's fucking <laughs> class. She's absolutely get on. I'd love a Huddersfield to be honest. Genuinely, brilliant. like, yeah, no, no, you're yeah. right. No, the Villa women, I, I watched the uh, the the uh, opening game of the season against Man City, and I was, oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, going to try and get down to a few games this season because because it is really good football, and there's some good players on that pitch now. They're certainly
2: certainly making up in the entertainment stakes, aren't they? For what we lack, uh, on the, on the men's side 100, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: they love it, they love it, they love a shot from long range as well, for, for whatever reason, but. Yeah, the, the, the Villa women are far more entertaining to watch than they were last season because of a few sort of additions. Um, and just like, yeah, it, just saying, if you are getting frustrated having, you know, just just watching the men at the moment, because football is a, bit, is a bit rough right now, um, do check some of that out for sure. Um, first loss of the season, but like still entertaining football. So.
0: I think if you're going to have a slogan for the Villa women's, it would be Aston Villa, women's fc we actually score goals and i'd be dissing the men's side because that's basically what it's come to um if we want to become a AVWFC podcast maybe we can do that maybe we get more enjoyment out of the season who knows um, i guess so
3: like because even the under 23s is, is is hard to watch it <laughs> oh
0: they're just getting stomped every <laughs> single week like that's even more depressing oh but uh what can you do actually you know what let's 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 throw each one of you a curveball because why not this has been a massively depressing podcast as it has been a massively depressing season but hopefully we feel a little bit better after speaking about it and people listening to it and if you want to scream as we're uh we're talking just to vent some of your frustration i hope you did so and i hope you feel better as well um let's do our own three word reviews i'm not going to read out the ones from twitter because they're Basically, the obvious Stephen Gerrard out, whatever. Um, and I don't feel like reading that ten times. So, Tom, I'm going to start with you, and I'm only starting with you because you're the person next to my name um, in this Zoom call. So, what would your three-word review be? And don't use the one you sent in.
2: Uh,
0: I think mine would be "saw it coming," because,
2: like I said, I expected a bet. I expected Villa to put in an improved performance today, step it up against a big team again, and still lose the game. Um, and so it transpired.
1: Simon, you're up. Another fun Sunday.
0: <laughs> Danny?
3: Disappointed, not
0: surprised. Fair enough. Um, I would probably say save me, please. I don't know if that's really related to that, but it is about Villa, and no one actually be alarmed about my, up at my well-being or anything like that. I just want to put that out there. I expect they were all considerably milder than the ones that we got in on the Twitter account, I would imagine uh the f-bomb was dropped and about everyone i saw a lot of utter and then so and so uh i saw a few bellons and yeah so um and then a few people arguing with each other about calling each other bellons. so um yeah keep keep those to yourselves not to us i guess but regardless of that thank you guys very much for joining me tom simon and danny it's good to have a full house Um, why we leave Seb at home to nap during his uh, Betty Buys time. I don't know if he'll listen to this, this, especially this far into this one, but uh, if he is, hope he is doing well and enjoyed his Saturday um, dealing with the likes of Nigel Pearson um, and co uh, with his little Sky Sports um, adventure he had. But uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Hopefully we should have a preview podcast Prior to full amount, I hope so. At least, if not, um, you'll hear from us, I would imagine, early Friday morning to make sense of what I can only assume is another Villa result going agonizingly, frustratingly one way. But, anyways, we'll leave it at that. And don't forget uh, the Villa.